everybody. Club W is offering our audience members who are over 21 and live in the U.S. a $20 credit plus free shipping on their first order of four bottles of wine as a new member of Club W. So check it out, clubw.com forward slash Taoist, and get your drink on. That was good. Fuck pain, fuck heartbreak. I'm still in love with life. From the multicultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Taoist Podcast. Tonight, designer and landscape architect Michael Tadorn joins us to help us green up our cities, developing urban spaces and buildings that increase the use of plants, green landscape, not to mention oxygen, cooler temperatures, and even birds back into our urban environments. Fantastic concepts, including community gardens, vertical agriculture, even seed bomb. Take our word for it. It's planting time. Do yourself a favor and get your hands in some soil. It takes you back. And now... Asking you all to spread the words that corporations are not persons, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, the savage philosopher and middle finger of the gods, Daniele Bolelli. As we invite you to lower the lights, batten down the hatches, and prepare to open your mind. For the Drunken Dallas Podcast, begins now. Welcome back, everybody. Episode 88 of the Drunken Dows Podcast. It's unbelievable. They're stacking up pretty high now. We'll be at 100 before we know it. And that's kind of crazy. 88, that was the year I graduated high school. So think about how many decades that was, y'all. <laughs> Whew. But more importantly, right across from me, my pal, Mr. Daniele Bonelli. Yes, here we are. And today, well, we also want to say a quick thank you to our regular sponsor. Yes, yes. The fine folks at Datsusara on it. Those guys, you know, Datsusara, I was just uh, not so long ago, a few weeks ago, I was at the Adie Bravo Invitational, the Datsusara sponsor. It was pretty awesome to see these. We used Mark Chang, is that where those came yeah, from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, we were like, Chris O'Dell hooked us up. We were in the second row, right behind UFC heavyweight champion Fabrizio Verdum. The whole thing was... And it was beautiful to see this big grappling competition went on, you know, the UFC channel and everything. And right smack in the middle where the whole action was taking place, there was the Datsusara logo. I was proud for Chris. It was awesome. That too. is awesome. And, uh, you know, his, his gear is great. And I'm glad it's growing in popularity and more and more people are becoming aware of it. It's, it's good stuff. So thank you, Chris. And, of course, thank you to Onnit. That, speaking of grappling, they all are into this. Onnit put together by now, I think, two, dif- two or three different events of uh, grappling events that they sponsor in Austin at their headquarters that they put up on the web for people to check out. And again, high-level grappling, good stuff. So interesting how that plays out. But yeah, man, you guys know the drill. These guys have been awesome to us for a long time now. Great, wonderful products. We use a whole bunch of them on a daily basis. Check them out. And of course, I have no idea what's happening considering the news that we passed on to you in the last episode. I have no idea what's up with Short Design. They sponsor it. It's not. Doesn't matter. We love them anyway. As long as this company exists, you know, check them out. Uh, short design T-shirts. Check out. I don't know who's handling it now. I will find out eventually. But uh, I love their stuff. I always have. I continue. I will continuously. So, 
check them out as well. And then we also got to talk about some wine. Oh, yeah. Because luckily our friends with Club W have uh, signed up again for some more spots with us. And what's cool about it is you sign up with Club W and they give you like a five-question questionnaire of easy. You know, do you like cherry flavor? Do you like kind of go through a flavor profile with you? Mm -hmm. And then after that, they present to the ones that should be to your liking. And uh, I sure like the ones they sent to me. And it seemed like an excellent match right there for the drunken Taoists. If we don't have a wine sponsoring that, there's something wrong there, right? We are missing so out somehow in there. So, yeah, man. I uh, tried their stuff before. They sponsored us a few months ago. Uh, we tried with very good stuff. And they ship it to you quick. Um, they do this incredible sort of thing where the majority of the shipping happens in these giant, like, 85-gallon mm -hmm. bladders, and then they do the bottling locally, so you don't have to ship heavy bottles all over the country. Reduce your carbon platform, plus a bunch of great wines from smaller um, vineyards that mm -hmm. might not get the chance, or you might not get to try. Up here in wine country, we're kind of spoiled because there's lots of stuff everywhere. Yep. But I can imagine, just to get four different bottles at 10 to $13 a piece from various places, it's going to be fun because they definitely do have their own sort of flavor profiles and it's delicious. So if you want a $20 credit off your first four bottles, please go to clubw.com forward slash Taoist, Taoist, T-A-O-I-S-T, and they'll set you up. And we've had uh, many of uh, your fellow listeners have enjoyed this over the past year. So hop on. You're going to need some wine after all the sadness that's gone on over the past little while anyway. So enjoy. Our guest today, Michael Todoran. I got that right? Yes, sir. I dig it. Right. Mm -hmm. Michael, tell us a little bit. You are a multi-talented man. You do a lot of different things. I've received videos about you from art to photography. Never mind all the crazy shit you've done before, like search and rescue with the Coast Guard in the middle of Oregon. Well, not exactly in the middle, because you're, if you're on the ocean, it's not the middle of Oregon, but on the coast of Oregon. That was like, <laughs> like you would be the only coast guard in the middle of a forest in Oregon, going, there are no waves today. Yeah, that waiting for the Graham Hancock flood to come down through Oregon. Yeah, so. exactly. That would, uh, uh, you got your art degree from UNLV, um, all sorts of crazy stuff. And now, one of the things that we're going to be playing primarily today is your work with kind of combining like environmental issues with architecture and food and everything else. So we'll play with that. But enough me saying all this stuff. Do tell. Um, what are some of your journey has clearly been, you know, how many of these things are you still doing currently? At the same time, how many of these have just been part of your path to get to where you are today and who you are today? Um, what's the deal? So, um, first of all, thank you for having me here, uh, you and Rich. Um, I really appreciate it. As far as what um, I'm currently still doing on all of those things, <clears throat> um, you know, I'm, obviously I'm not doing the Coast Guard anymore. Sure. That was a four-year commitment, but it did shape me in who I am today, mm -hmm. you know, um, gave me the discipline and a good mindset. So that does carry with me a lot. Um, I still do art and um, I don't curate as much anymore. Mm -hmm. I used to be a fine art curator um, and produce big shows, but that is so time 
intensive that uh, I kind of let that go. Yeah. And uh, I just kind of like jump into art shows here and there when I get invited or um, that kind of thing as far as fine art. But <clears throat> so I'm on the path to becoming a landscape architect. I got my my master's at Ohio State. Mm -hmm. um, I've already met my two-year time requirement and I just have to take four tests and then I'll be licensed. So in conversation, I say I'm a landscape architect, um, but never in business because legally I'm not yet sure. until I get licensed. But you could consider me a landscape architect mm -hmm. for um, for the ease of, uh, of conversation. And um, that degree, this profession is great because I get to draw a lot. I get mm -hmm. to sketch and I get to really put my, my uh, let's say, my uh, fine art sensibilities into action mm -hmm. a lot. And so I really am um, fulfilled. So I found a career that really matches all of that, which is great. Yeah, that's awesome. That's great. In terms of landscape architecture, what... For people who may be like, what the hell are you talking about? What what's landscape architecture? Do you draw gardens? What do you do? You know, if they have no idea, um, break it up a little for people. What that means? What kind to give us give them something to hook on? Sure. Um, so basically, we're architects. Mm -hmm. So you could you know if you understand what an architect is, you know the person who designs the buildings. Sure. Um, then now just use that logic and put that to the built environment outside. Mm -hmm. So we build parks, we build cemeteries, mm -hmm. we build streetscapes. Um, basically we design everything outside of the building. And we work with civil engineers, we work with architects, we work with um, arborists, and, um, and, and what's happening a lot is landscape architects are really kind of becoming the liaison between a lot of different fields because it, it this field tends to attract people that are a little bit more grounded mm -hmm. um pun intended um, <laughs> because you know it's just if you're into plants into trees sure. and all that stuff like that there's kind of like a underlying rhythm between all of us and so um that's really an exciting change and if you want to google um, the High Line in New York. Yeah, it's probably one of the, the best things to happen to landscape architects because it's such a successful piece, and um, that will really help you understand what we can do. And now landscape architects are bringing value to cities, so every city wants their own High Line. Right. Right. Course. And so it's really good for us as a profession because we could point to something that everybody knows. Right. For what do you do for cities that don't have uh, old? Elevated tracks. So, I mean, <laughs> well, that's, that, that was particularly awesome. Sure, sure. That was for people who don't know. Can you give us a tiny description? Yes. Of the... So um, the High Line is a project in New York, and basically it was a stretch of abandoned, elevated tracks, right? Mm -hmm. And here was the problem: like, what do we do with that? You know how much money it costs to tear that down? Can we build on top of it? Can we build housing on it? You know, it's like this through fair and so and the super sturdy, man. It's super just, sturdy. It's steel, right? So uh, let's build a park on it. Yeah. And they did. And then the beauty of it is they used good materials. They used uh, native plants to that area. And 
it just was it's wildly successful no it's, I was on it just a few months ago sure. it just meanders through the city and it's just this great connector that didn't exist before yeah and people get up and you know kind of get lifted out of the city for a minute you're yeah. still in it but wow look a plant yeah it's awesome and landscape architects we create these environments mm-hmm. and and what it does is it uh, it we help bring people back into nature and mm-hmm. we're supposed to be in nature our right. DNA is embedded within sure. it and we've removed ourselves so far especially yep. in dense urban populations and you know like the 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 heat island effect and you know all these things where it's just buildings and concrete and stuff and so now we're fighting to bring this back and it's pretty much why I'm on here is to talk about how we could get back to how we could have an urban experience that has landscape in it. Yeah, because there's that kind of false dichotomy sometimes that we have. Well, it hasn't been false so far, but mm-hmm. it's false as in it's a bad idea. The idea that you either get to live in a city or you get to be around nature. Right. But it's like, and the problem, of course, being... Yeah, you get to be around nature. Yay, beautiful. There are no jobs anywhere for the next 300 miles. And so it's like, well, yeah, it's great if you retire. It's great if you are independently wealthy. It's not great for anybody else. Or you live in a city, which is cool. You are close to a lot of convenient stuff. You get easier jobs, but you are physically miles and on every other level distant from what a natural environment is like. Or even like a big approximate, you know, in so many places, it's just concrete, 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 and that's all you say. Well, if you want to really dive into that, you want to Google a term called um, food deserts. And basically, so... There's places and it's very socioeconomic based mm-hmm. and it's, you know, on the, the, if you are on the unfortunate end of the socioeconomic scale, there's neighborhoods that have no fresh fruit right. for, for miles. You have just this series of liquor stores mm-hmm. and they sell, um, they accept EBT and they sell pizza and liquor and cigarettes and that's it. Right. And so... Uh, in at my um, in my graduate program, we did a case study in a in a place called Wyland Park, and we really dissected. Um, I volunteered for the food part of it. There was like transportation and food and all kinds of different things. But that this is where I'm passionate about. There was no there was no food, no real food, mm-hmm. you know. And what we noticed no big no grocery chains nothing it's put their business there no right? distribution was a real there's no right? distribution there, I mean there's a whole series of things especially there's, in a city where every third house has two giant orange trees that don't get picked hanging out of the back of it that's where it really gets crazy yeah yeah I mean it's there it it's, could be really available it could be so yeah we'll talk about that as well and how why why it's not happening and how we could help it happen and where it is happening. So in the case for Wyland Park, what we noticed is we went door to door and, you know, we were talking to the, the people and we were seeing community gardens being built and taken yeah. care of and they were respected, you know, like people weren't yeah. tampering with these. And this is in a neighborhood where every like eighth, ninth house was abandoned yeah. or burnt down and stuff. And, and people want community gardens. Yeah. So... um but that was the only option, right? That was whatever local residents did for themselves in a tiny bit, because otherwise there's... Yeah, the whole... 
It's tricky because, yeah, when we talk about nutrition, you see a lot of people struggle with having access to decent nutrition because it's, um, one, because of education. Yes, Just because, you absolutely. know, you don't know what constitutes a good, healthy diet and what doesn't. Two, because of money, because sometimes a good, healthy diet may cost a little more than just crab food. And again, if it doesn't cost more, because you can figure out ways to eat healthy on a budget, you have to be really know your stuff in, Correct. because your yeah. choices are more yeah. limited. But on top of it is the problem you bring up, which is you may have the education, you may have, and yet you are in a place where those choices are simply not there. Correct. You know, it's like I've traveled, I mean, now it's changing a little bit, but so many times I remember traveling through the Midwest, you would be like steak or potatoes, right, potatoes sure. or steak or both, or let's sure. throw in some gravy. <laughs> and the idea of salad was like, sure. you know, the little uh, green thing that they put on top of a steak. Yes. Or, you know, you go to the grocery store and the only one is like some for 50 miles is some crappy grocery store where the closest thing to veggies is, uh, you know, pre-packaged lactose that had been sitting there six months right, in the freezer. Right. Like, yeah, that's not, that doesn't do it. You know, you may have all the good intentions and you just simply don't have really the options. I mean, some of that is changing now, but it's still a very slow change. Yeah. Well, one of the good things, one of the, so we're here in Los Angeles and not at the job that I work at now, but at the mm-hmm. last job that I, that I worked at, at um, Stout Design Build, mm-hmm. um, we focused a lot on converting old lawns into drought-tolerant lawns. So Los Angeles is not a desert. Did you guys hear me? Los Angeles is not a desert. It's actually a Mediterranean climate. Mm-hmm, right. So we have warm, wet winters. We have westerly winds. We have dry summers. So this is like a great environment to grow things in. Um, so what we did a lot is we converted these these lawns into drought-tolerant uh, yeah. gardens and the the great thing about policy was the Department of Water and Power was giving you anywhere from $2, I think it even went up to $3.75 per square foot to offset your work. And it just spawned this boom of people redoing their gardens. We were doing vegetable gardens. We were doing, um, of course, like low water irrigation. Um, they also specialized in... Um, you know, gray water reclamation, which is oh. using uh, all the water from your house except from your toilet. And, you know, mm-hmm. like, um, so uh, really just I'm so passionate about putting these systems into play and, um, and, and making them work. I'm going to go back to the food thing in a second. But Please. Something before I forget that. Speaking of crazy and wild environment like mixing off kind of bringing nature into buildings and so on did you see that very famous one in milan the um, i don't know how they call it in english it's kind of like i guess a literal translation from italian would be like vertical woods yes. or the vertical sure. forest or something like that yeah so you know, um, so, uh, you know what it's called in english so if people want to google it um, you could google um there's a couple things you could google you could call um verticulture uh-huh. V-E-R-T-I, culture, verticulture, mm-hmm. uh, vertical agriculture, um, and uh, yeah, you can Google those things and that'll, that'll send you... And if you put even the um, Milan as a place, sure. it probably would show up because it's, 
the, that project is kind of wild because you see these big giant buildings. They would be your standard nasty, you know, mm-hmm. giant. They are not skyscrapers, but they are very tall. They're probably eight stories or some maybe more. I forgot. And rather than being the typical big blob of concrete dropped there, the outside is entirely covered in literally woods, like a vertical forest where you have trees, where you have you know all sorts of stuff, which in turn has brought back a lot of birds that would have never been seen in the city anymore come there because there's it kind of creates an ecosystem on the outside of the building itself which is pretty badass the actually the guy who did it is i haven't met him he's a friend of my dad um, they have worked together on a bunch of things and uh, it's fucking a genius idea you know, no, we should implement it everywhere i mean there's no doubt about it to, to reintroduce greenery into the city especially yeah. as a part of the architecture is going to be amazing yeah. Yeah. i mean i've seen the drawings and i'm already excited about it <laughs> you know with stories and stories of grape vines coming right. down the side and just knowing hey some oxygen right here created in the city what a concept and it yeah. makes you feel great i i've been in those places and you you just feel more at ease you mm-hmm. know so really okay the term that i think that you're more interested in is called biophilia mm-hmm. right that's the bigger concept behind that and that's b i o p h i l i a and um this was like this idea i believe was started in um in harvard and they i he like this guy i don't know his name off the top of my head but he wrote a paper on it and so like there's this big movement on it and basically it's like a um it's yeah so right now we're looking at an image called the bosco vertical and um it's it's really great, and this is kind of where I want to lead my career into. And you know, there's a lot of problems with with these types of buildings because right now we're under an old architecture paradigm, mm-hmm. right? And so, like, there's you know, buildings are designed to habitat habitat people, and there's walls and plumbing and space, and you go to sleep, and that's it. And mm-hmm. so there has to be a shift in how we view these buildings and how we live. I mean, could you imagine like waking up, going to your patio, and grabbing a grape off of the off of the vine and no, then awesome. eating it. Exactly. And, you know. Or a shared atrium on your floor when yep. you step off and Absolutely. everybody... Absolutely. And this is all possible, right? It's so, totally possible. Look at the... I mean, I'm sure you've seen the great community garden in Santa Monica. Yes, of course. That is so successful in every square foot. Some kind of awesome yeah. sunflowers to rhubarb is yeah. growing out of that and people don't mess with it. They don't mess with it. And not to mention, there's also like these amazing therapeutic properties mm-hmm. that when you put your hand in the soil, oh, mm-hmm. you go back. You go back to where you belong. Like you get grounded. Your energy like kind of disperses. You It relaxes you. There's therapists that encourage people with depression. And then so I have like a three and a half year old son and we – my wife and I, we, we have, of course, we have a garden in our house and stuff. And we planted tomatoes, and then he waters it, mm-hmm. and then he gets to eat it. And yep. he's so proud yep. of it. Absolutely. And it's, it's really amazing. We were so fortunate that my kids grew up, you know, from zero to ten when we were living in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And our gardens were massive. Yes, Because you of just had to accidentally drop a seed in the ground. Yeah. It was going to shoot out. What's better out here? Because we've experimented with it, and we get a little, especially like we live in the valley. Right. The sun will annihilate things sure. so fast. 
is like box gardens better go so you can get your best soil concentrated and get it off the ground? I am a big fan of planter beds, raised planter beds, um, because uh, the the soil you could control the soil yeah, more. We don't it have could, great soil, right? It could be looser, and then you could irrigate it better, um, and you could put drainage. You could allow for drainage, so you could put like gravel at the bottom of it. Right. Then you could put the soil. Um, there's also this uh, product. So you guys are all familiar with compost, right? Oh, yeah. So there's another product called tea compost, and basically what that is, it's compost, but in a liquid format. So it's like um, very concentrated, and uh, you like pour that onto your stuff, and you just in like two days you see all the plants perk up. But it's not like, like fertilizer-y crazy that it'll burn it or uh, same no, danger. No, you have to be. It's pretty safe. I mean, you could over. I mean, I talked to a horticulturalist the other day, and he says you can't um, put too much tea compost, but I think that you can. Sure. Um, so, uh, but chances are, it's you know, it's better than the commercial products sure. off of them. No, I couldn't. I couldn't agree with you more. Having gardens available to children may be one of the greatest things you can do for them. Yep. Because it really does open their eyes up to how it all works. You know. And, uh, to to get the depressing to have the corn weevils eat your corn at the end and those are great lessons. Yeah, and that's a tricky thing because you know you can live in a nice place, not even in a bad neighborhood, and you live in an apartment and you're screwed because you have absolutely nothing to grow. Yeah, you have no space outside; it's all concrete in every right. direction. Well, that's the great thing about those community mm-hmm. gardens. This is why I'm here: is I want to reach out to architects, I want to reach out to city planners, and say hey let's in court let's get landscape architects involved let's get you know uh let's start from the beginning like right now it's all it's it's a it's an afterthought it's like oh okay we we designed this and then you know we have to meet the minimum requirements of green space for this building to go up no 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 let's incorporate that from the beginning and let's be aggressive about it absolutely because the problem with community gardens is that they are a great idea but one of the problems is if you have to get in your car drive 7 miles to get there and yeah. no damage traffic it takes away half of the wheel right there, especially when you have to do it every day in some cases. So and you do. You really, you really got to keep on it. It's not the kind of thing. It's sweet if you live yeah. next to them, but otherwise, it's, like, right. it's not going to do it. No, it would be else. amazing if as you're building an apartment complex, you literally had a central park or a center to the whole complex yeah, where exactly. everybody gets their you have 12 the feet, inner 18 space feet. inside a building, kind right. of designed like a Roman villa with the outside yeah, sure. where all the building parties and the inside Sure. and you could even or... have little micro environments right and also too like it does good things for the temperature mm-hmm. like it could cool down a space if if you want to see a good documentary there's a there's a documentary called the garden the life and death of a community garden in la and the director is scott hamilton kennedy now this so i grew up here and i was witness to like the the riots the the ronnie king riots and all that stuff in mm-hmm. this community garden rose out of that and it was so successful and i don't want to give away what happens but it's really important lesson to learn on what can go right and what can go wrong in a community garden and community gardens are just one small element let's talk about a bigger picture what if we got neighborhoods so la is unique because we have like all these front lawns right what if we organize some kind of system where we had 
uh, fruits and vegetables all growing on these front lands. And then there was like, uh, so somebody wrote a paper on it and it's called CPUL, C-P-U-L. It's called a Continuous Productive Urban Landscape. So Continuous Productive Urban Landscape. That alone is just beautiful. So now you plant food and vegetables and all of these and you don't even have to eat them. Let's say you're well off and you don't even need that food. You could just have a beautiful garden and then somebody will come along and collect a little bit off of each garden and then donate it. Mm -hmm. Or you could keep to your own. Or um, you could sell it. You know, you could... And and, uh, it's just an amazing idea. And it's these types of concepts that we need to really get incorporated. Totally, because it needs to be incorporated in people's lives, not just as the little nice garden five miles away where you go to where it's not going to happen. It needs to be part of the design of buildings. It needs to be part of the design of sidewalks. It needs to be part of the design of all of the things, you know. By the way, the thing I mentioned earlier for people who wanted to Google it, if you want to check it out, it is called the Vertical Forest. So it's in Milan called Vertical Forest. The pictures are pretty damn amazing. So sorry that we're bringing up visual things where we are an audio <laughs> podcast, but there's, there's the gods of Google will be nice to you. So check it out. Um, it's funny, back when my kids were much younger, we were in the scouting program, we attempted to help a kid do an Eagle Scout project where we would go and all of this is Thousand Oaks. So every house has three or four different citrus trees. Sure. Just packed to the gunnels because nobody ever messes with right. them out. And it just became an issue of, well, they enter people's property, there's insurance mm-hmm. issues, blah, blah, blah. And they were never allowed to do it. So now when I drive around these neighborhoods and just see these trees that should have been harvested three months ago and you know all that shit's going to rot off of there, it makes me crazy. Mm-hmm. There is so much need, but there's so much waste. Yeah. That combined with the insanity of only pretty fruit making it to the market right. and 40% of it going just yeah. into the ground. It's really sad. There should be nobody hungry in this country. Yeah. And the fact that we allow one person to have a $300 million yacht while any child in L.A. goes hungry at night is just beyond... I can't take it anymore. Yeah, yeah. What do you think of the work of Ron Finley? I know Finley was on Rogan's podcast. He was the... So, yeah, I just... Uh, he's like the gangster gardener, right? Yeah, yeah. So I do remember a little bit of that episode, and I remember liking it a lot. And, um, you know, it seems like he has a strong voice and he's trying to put gardens in, in urban environments and that's great and I'm and uh, I don't know if he's militant or not but I applaud all efforts mm-hmm. right so I applaud efforts on if you're the gangster gardener and you're militant and, and, and you're like let's do this and, and make bold moves to, right, to do things right because you think it's kind of plant everywhere and just, yeah. yeah especially no permit burn no down houses, houses. Empty, if there's empty field there should be some food that I'm all for right. yeah, yeah. I'm all for I'm, I'm all for uh, seed dumping there's this company that came out with a, uh, they converted old gumball machines. The seed bombs. The seed bombs, right? <laughs> and you get these and you just those. throw them. Spray seeds all over. You know, and I think that that is, I think that's great. Mm-hmm. I I tend to lie in more of like the pragmatic sure. and professional mm-hmm. side of things. And I support all of that work. Sure. But for me, you know, um, I like... My energy is best spent in like I'm I really enjoy technical, right? I really like to understand how things work. So okay, so here's the ideas like yes, let's do vertical gardens in a in a high rise and all this stuff like that. Okay, 
well, somebody needs to figure out how the electrical runs, sure. how the water runs, yeah. how much weight can you on a structural bearing? Can support, of course. You know, um, yeah. is it going to leak? What are the overflows? And so that's where that's where my love like really is. And so for me, like I like learning about those drawings, learning how much you know tensile strength is in concrete and mm -hmm. how much you know like you do this rendering and there's like this beautiful forest on top of uh an existing building no that existing building has a membrane roof and it's not going to work so <laughs> so then it's my job mm -hmm. okay let's try to understand this let's talk to a civil engineer let's talk to a structural engineer what can we actually build as opposed to what we want to build right so it's a two-part prong on, on mine. It's like education and now technical. Yeah. So we're never going to be able to retrofit all of downtown. But as we put new structures up and as we... Well, there's levels of retrofit, right? So no, you can't retrofit it in the sense of your wildest imagination. Trees of on every rooftop. But, <laughs> but there's amazing things that you could do that are so simple. You could get a two liter bottle, you could cut it in half, you could poke some drain holes in it, you could put a hook on it, you could hang it over to the side of the building, and then you could put a seed and some dirt and Vines you can seed. have yeah. vegetables. Yeah. And um, so, and I'm okay if some people think, like the landlords probably, if you're in like a really posh type, sure. they're probably not gonna want that. So it's us to say, okay, well we could design something just as simple, Probably almost as cheap, but it's aesthetically pleasing. Sure. And so that's where me and the design community comes into play. It's like a like coordinating, like again, I use right. the word liaison between. Yeah, it doesn't elements. have to be a war between the existing no. way and the way we want to make it. It's like, how do we make it work with it? Correct. I mean, if. Uh, <laughs> I should say the thing with the with the fellas with their uh, with their pot licenses alone yeah. would want their twelve plants growing. That could save the city by itself. Yeah. Did you see Colorado sold more weed than Cheetos, Funyuns, and Fritos combined for the United States? Last I would wow. probably say that that's funny because that I bet their sales of the for Cheetos are probably yeah, really really way up. Yeah. Up. Yeah. the pizza exactly. guys did really yeah. well. Yeah. Yeah. So um you know that's that that's interesting too because there is you know there is the you know hemp as a product and totally. then there's marijuana as the mm -hmm. you know um the product is as well and um you know I'm in favor for that being grown as well now you know, in community gardens, sometimes in some spaces there is theft, and yeah. I would say the theft would probably be more oh, rampant if you're growing like big yeah. buds somewhere. Yeah. But, <laughs> but I, I, you know, I think you're allowed to grow up to six plants now with a thing, and and so some of the best horticulturalists are actually people who grow marijuana because mm -hmm. there's such a the yield on the return it's much is, more is, is much tomatoes, more, and so right. the technology is is really advanced, but. So you have the indoor growing, right? But sure. then you have the outdoor growing and plants. So, you know, I had a friend who was a grower and he would talk about the difference between when he grew indoor and outdoor. Mm -hmm. And outdoor, there's something more special about it because oh, yeah. when there's wind, right, the plant has to fight the yeah. wind constantly and it gets stronger. Now, you, of course, you could duplicate that in the growing room by putting on fans and stuff like that. But... You know, 
Either way, just let's grow plants, indoor, outdoor. Yeah, and the sun is always going to win, though. It's so amazing. It's funny, down in, 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 in Oxnard, where I live, they have all these greenhouses where they kind of force stuff to grow. Sure. So they'll run these 20-hour cycles, and it'll cause these beams of light to go right. and hit the clouds. I call it the hell rifts yeah, when it yeah. goes. But just forcing the plants like that cannot be the greatest way to get a tomato. It's probably a monoculture which means that there's only one type of species in, in there, which now brings me on to a new conversation. Um, um, it's a pretty popular term now. I'm sure you guys might have heard of it called permaculture. Mm -hmm. So it's like this in integrated system, right? And it's how things used to be. So, you know, you'd have plants and trees that would grow, and then the leaf droppings would fall to the ground, and then that would be like the... The nutrients for the, the next the level. The nutrients for the next level, and then animals, and then the animals eat the plant, mm -hmm. and then it, you know, it uh, defecates the seed into a different location. And so what we need is like a... a, a, a we need permaculture systems that work within like like again i said i tend to lean towards a more pragmatic you know sure. i don't want to say let's demolish this and let's grow right this that's simply not gonna happen, it's simply so. not going to happen yeah. so you know we need to work aggressively within the system right we need to allow the men and women who have radical ideas to be heard and we need you know the people who can implement it we need we need money we need uh, the spirit we need all of that to work and in theory, the more people that align to this ideology, then the more we could implement that seamlessly. Right. What's your success been like so far? Is there a lot of pushback or are most people like, that's a great fucking idea? I haven't had one person to say anything negative about trying to grow plants and trees. You know what I mean? It's like definitely who, the city for it. I mean, you know, and if they did, I didn't even hear them. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, the, the, but I will tell you about pushbacks. So let's talk about some pushbacks. So, um, okay. So, you know, Central Park, right? Sure. So Central Park. Blocking out the sun on them. <laughs> um, it's, it's called a, a like an English garden type of aesthetic, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's what the old American dream was, right? I'm going to have this house and I'm going to have this garden. And so the first thing that we have to fight is the aesthetic, right? So a lot of people think that gardens and these types of spaces aren't beautiful, but that's but that's changing, right? Um, so if there's this um, essay called uh, Messy Ecosystems Orderly Frames, right? So a lot of the gardens and things are messy, but if we design them with orderly frames, right, then humans tend to accept them more and more better. So the first pushback is aesthetic. Well, I don't like the way that looks in my neighborhood. Sure. I spent $2 million on my house, and this is my, my idea of I want my green it. lawn, right? I want my green lawn, right? <laughs> so, but with the whole, like, people redoing their lawns and people not having choices, now that, that shift is happening, right? People are like, wow, that's a really beautiful, succulent sure. garden. <laughs> So that's the, that's the first pushback is like the aesthetic. Mm -hmm. Well, then there's a next one, which is um, animals, right? So if you, you know, we're not the, <laughs> believe it or not, we're not the only ones who eat <laughs> fruits and vegetables. We are not the center of the world. And there's animals that want to eat these things and harvest them and stuff too. So now you're introducing different species into a neighborhood that you didn't have before. And those are called corridors, right? So they're corridors 
for animals to Deer, harvest. Raccoon, and, that's yeah, right. right. Yeah, depending on where you live. And that, I think, is a little more tolerable when you start having a bunch of rats around. The people start getting right. a little pissed off. Then, it's like, oh, yeah. great that we have this corn out here and we also have 3,000 rats sticking around. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, and, and that's where... That's where you have to be careful, and that's where really good design comes into play. Now, the, now, now, rats are and they're very smart, and they've been thwarting us for you know a long time. But you know we're smart as well, so let's play that game between mm-hmm. back and forth, and you know let's make it work. I would say that the fight is important to make it happen, despite you know these obstacles, and you know there's also like city councils that we have to convince, and then there's you know. People who own these buildings, we have to get them going. But really, our biggest fight is early on. Like, let's get this mindset young. So tomorrow's architects and engineers and landscape architects are... That's just where they're in line. No, that makes perfect sense. Well, the thing that interests me, too, is that in some way you can combine this discussion that's about nature slash food. Sure. Having the two things together. Also, with another element that to me is really interesting, kind of like rethinking the way housing is in terms of, you know, the typical model has always been the nuclear family with their little thing that's then there's the next nuclear family in the next place. One of the terrible things about modern living in most places is the complete lack of community. The fact that people are completely cut off. And the reality is, you know, we have been living as tribal people forever, as uh, hunters and gatherers, but even as farmers, you know, you live in a village with a thousand people, you know everybody, there's always that community element. Now, the beauty of modern life is that you're not stuck with the people you are born with, because sometimes they may be assholes that you want to have nothing to do with, right? (laughs) So if you're stuck there forever, that's not a good thing. So the tribal thing has its dark sides, for sure. So we have choices, which is beautiful. You can pack up and go somewhere else. That's easy. Um, but at the same time, why? let's not throw away the baby with the bathwater. You know, there's some of the community elements. The idea, I mean, how many people get to have uh, uh, the six houses next to them? They are all their best friends. You know, that's the ideal scenario, right? That's what you want. That's what you want to have is people, like-minded people that you like, that you live right next to them. And then on top of it, you have the shared spaces. So you have, you know, your uh, garden that those four or five houses get to share in a way where, you know, they are your friends, you hang out, you work at the garden together, you eat together, you watch each other's kids when somebody's at work, you know, that kind of thing that it makes it so much more healthy for yes. human beings as a way of life. Yes. You know, where you come, and again, it doesn't have to be the thing that sucks now, I was looking at something like Chris O'Dell from That's Sarah sent me this link, which was this project that they had done in Wales, where um, in this kind of rural area, they had the state had contributed with in- economic incentives for these guys to basically build uh, the equivalent of a Hobbit style type of living. You know, it looked like the Shire, where you have these buildings that are completely ecologically sustainable, no bad materials involved. Everything goes back into the environment. They were working in a way, in seemingly very primitive way, but also because of modern technology, actually, where it works. You don't have to deal with the same degree of struggle. The problem is you have to go live uh, probably two hours from the closest town in the middle of Wales, which I mean, is nice, but again, you go back to that dichotomy. It's like, and then what do you do? 
You mm-hmm. know, you live on the land all the time. Essentially, the only thing you can do is be a farmer there. Mm-hmm. And not that there's anything wrong with that, but that's clearly not the choice that most people are making. Most people are fleeing farms. Sure. They are not going toward it. So how do we instead figure out ways to bring that model, which, by the way, I fully support mm-hmm. as is. You know, if there are enough people who can do it and want to do it, good for them, I think is awesome. Yeah. But how do you not end up with sort of the crazy hippie commune in the middle of nowhere, right, right. and instead you bring this idea of creating small-scale tribes sure. uh, along with the nature and the food and everything else in the middle of an urban place? Sure. So basically, uh, seamless integration, that's mm-hmm. what we're looking for right and so um, I had a, um, a professor that said good design is not seen you don't know good design when you see it it's so quiet in the in mm-hmm. the in the background it's not bold and in your face right so we need to design spaces that that lend to that environment naturally right, right? so this is where we incorporate Psychiatrists, sociologists, anthropologists, right. you know, all these different types of elements and say, okay, well, how do people gather? How do we communicate? And yep. how do we like to spend our time? And so part of the, 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 the beauty of my field is that we do workshops, right? Mm-hmm. So um, there's this term called architect. And that's a negative term, right? That means like you're this like architect and you have like this, you know, this is my vision and I'm going to implement it upon the, on the, on the people, right? So I definitely have my perspective, right? But when, if we're going to go design a place like that, so let's say Daniele Bellelli wants to, wants to, uh, becomes a developer and he says, this is my idea, mm-hmm. right? Just exactly what you said, sure. right? An integrated space. That, that that nurtures community and you know and has food and, and, and creates like this environment but you could leave when you want to you're not married to it right yeah. so I said I said okay that's a great idea right who what kind of people and, and, and what, what audience do you want to live there and you say well you know probably within this demographic, and this income will be able to afford because it's going to cost per square foot this amount. So we find out that demographic, mm-hmm. and now we do workshops and we we talk to the community and we say, well, what would you want to see, right? No assholes, right? <laughs> so we'll get an image board and mm-hmm. we'll put all these images up of of these different environments, right? And each person gets like a handful of dot stickers, mm-hmm. and we say, what do you like? And 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 let's say. You know, a hundred people are invited, and eighty of them all put a sticker right. next to this atmosphere, right? You know, and you, you got s- and you say, okay, well, let's let's now talk about this, and that's probably something that you never even thought of. You're mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, all right, well, let's look into this. Right. Then, as the landscape architect and the architect, where you do have to step in is when your education, your experience, and your design sensibility needs to nurture and cater all of these ideas and work within a budget. Don't forget, there's always a budget and there's like sure. these types of restrictions. But then you also have to know when to implement your voice, when to be strong and when to say, okay, you know what? I This is too idealistic. Yeah. Let's implement this, right? So it's a fine, sure. it's a fine balance. 
and and that's why I love what I do. Yeah, because I mean, there's the vision and reality. Of course, are not sure. You can have the most ideal utopic scenario, but then you also have to make it happen for real. Yes, and, you know, it's not gonna be every single thing you ever yeah. wanted for sure. And I that's that. and that's what I love. That's what I love about what I do is I love the restraints, right? right. So you know, I, I I love being surrounded by people who are idealistic and have these philosophies and stuff and then it's my job to make it work exactly and that's amazing yeah no that's you a know? hell of a job because it's uh, you know it's it's tough enough to have the vision but it's even tougher to actually make it happen you know yeah. that part is uh, and you know a vision without application it's a waste of time yeah. I mean, it's sweet but it's not gonna you were talking about Gray water system. Sure. I was what hoping we would talk about water. <laughs> Especially here in California. Yeah. It seems ridiculous. First of all, the fact that we shit in clean water, if the rest of the world yeah. knew, they would just come kill us all right yeah. now. Because, <laughs> I mean, it seems to be insanity. Why do I not use the water I brush my teeth in or shower in to flush my nasty toilet? Yeah. What's it take to implement it? I mean, it seems to me it's like a tank and maybe a little plumbing, but I, is it I, that I, expensive to build a house? I wish it was that simple, and in theory, it is right. Well, you that just, and why are there not huge cauldrons under, or, or, or oh, what's the word for the giant cisterns? Cisterns, right? Under every house with a five thousand gallon capacity, so every time it rains. Yeah. We just fill it up. So now you're talking about kind of two different systems. Yeah, yeah. So one is is called uh, rainwater harvesting, which right. I, I'm a very pro, and um, I think it's a good idea right now. In Los Angeles, we'll give you a rebate. Like if you buy a rainwater 55-gallon uh, drum, they'll reimburse you for the cost of it and stuff. You should have seen the water pouring into the yeah. ocean after the yeah. past yeah. couple of rains. It's just amazing. Yeah, and then you, that's called the stormwater runoff, and that what that does is it collects you know, debris and oil and dirt and it goes right in, into the ocean. So first let's go to gray water yeah, yeah. and then we'll talk about rain harvesting and then and then we'll see where the conversation goes from there. So, awesome. so um, again, um, the firm that I worked out uh, before the one I'm at now was uh, Stout Design Build and, and the owner, this guy Tom Stout, was really great because he was one of the first people to have in Culver City uh, a permitted a gray water reclamation system and it was nice because I was able to go at his house and look how the system works look at the blueprints and see how it's designed and the struggles and this guy is super capable and yet you know it was it was a battle with the city to to get it permitted right so I mean but is that because you have it, a tank of like well, quote wastewater in, in, on in, site? All, in all fairness, you don't want to do this recklessly, right? No, no, like you have you to can, really make sure. Nasty, I'm sure. Yeah, you don't want. So there's these things called like backflow preventers, and that's like meaning like you don't want your water that you you know you don't want to contaminate the city water, right? So you have a valve that's one way, right? So that's one thing. That's like the most simplest, but you know like. Like what we need to do is make these systems like 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 streamlined and easy and education and more designers and more people wanting them, um, and also too gray water is beautiful, but it also can smell right. Oh, so yeah. people don't like the smell, and and so a lot of the gray water that you use has to be subsurface, and so then that means that kind of helps con control the the smell a, a little bit. I mean a lot of a lot like. Right, so you don't want to aerate it. You don't want it to spray it out and in, into the open. So, with gray water, I think that's 
harder to implement and that's another one of those things that need to be incorporated early but a lot of projects now like big projects I can't say the name of it but I know a very high profile job that's being built right now in the city is saying you have to incorporate X amount of gray water reclamation which is beautiful right but when you use gray water like there's certain soaps that I believe have saline which is like salt right and you can't irrigate with things that have salt in them so there's all these little technical things and that's again where the restraints come in and that, where the yeah, yeah, solutions yeah, yeah. sure, sure. come in of course because yeah because that's a problem sometimes anytime you try looking for a solution yeah oh we just solve that thing and we create a different problem sure. and then you're like and so you play it's great till we killed all the plants exactly yeah. it's like yeah. that was a good idea but you know now we just contaminated with yeah. sewage a bunch of, you know it's like there's when you don't do it things right and, yeah. and instead uh, that game is being able to think it three steps ahead so that every single thing checks out sure Sure. And uh, no, that makes that make perfect sense. So in that sense, really, kind of what we need in that regard is uh, is a way to reimagine modern life. Because I mean, it's pretty clear that modern life, as is, is not exactly on a very sustainable path. So, but it doesn't have to mean okay, go live in a tent in the middle of Montana on your own because civilization right. is doomed. It's like how can we get the best that civilization as is has to offer but turning it into something that actually works and not only that it can survive but also it can improve where certain things that today we don't have become better certain things like the community aspect of it which is completely neglected uh, currently as is uh, the food aspect in the city, the you know all of those things are things where you really kind of you need the team of the uh, architects, as you say, anthropologists, yes. call everything, you know, where it's because this is a life thing. It's not just how to design a pretty building. It's about how to elevate the quality of life yes. for people. I'm going to jump in right there sure. because you said it's not just designing a pretty building. Mm-hmm. Yes, but aesthetics always has to of be course. involved. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no, of yeah, course. Yeah. It's yeah. not that that's bad. Sure, that's sure. great. Yeah. But that has to go along with it, 19 yeah, other things. To. And also then you get into the conversation of form, yeah. versus function and all this stuff like that. And you know what? I'll tell you what. If you design a system where all of this comes to play, it's just going to be beautiful on its no, own. No, exactly. Oh, yeah. Exactly. But <laughs> you that's know, what with I mean. a little like bit of guidance. Sure. No, I guess what I mean by pretty building is the stereotypical sure. model we have now, which is something that looks cool yeah. in a purely non-functional way, in a purely... Shiny. Pre- yeah. Shiny So things, it's like right? it's yeah, yeah. not really the... No, of course you want good aesthetics. You know, yeah. that's part of making a better life. If sure. you're living in a place where you actually want to live and you don't look at it and say, well, the hell happened here no sure. imagine places like you know that have real problems like Mexico City or these massive yeah. cities in India where if you could incorporate these garden ideas into that you really would be improving people's lives oh, on, absolutely. on a huge scale yeah, yeah. for sure and 50 million people they can use some yeah and I just want to reiterate the whole psychological impact of oh. having green and plants around you it is amazing and soil 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 is a whole different conversation. I, I took a soils class with um, this guy. He's one of, the, one of the smartest guys in the country. And soil on itself is just – soil is alive, yeah. you know. And um, that's my next kind of thing is to start learning more about soil. Sure. And how it actually really works, and you know what it means to have something too acidic or too baseline, and how to correct it, yeah. and and um, 
Yeah, there's a whole science to it that's so, so yeah. above most people. Yeah. And how we've yeah. just jammed fertilizers into it for yeah. the past 60 years, you yeah. know, and where it was 19 feet deep and now it's right. 8 feet deep and it's just rotten and yeah. worn out. And, and also, of course, the important thing is to, when the zombie apocalypse hits, at least you have a food right there within your gates. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to... Uh, go forage out as the zombies are wandering. That, sure. That's always helpful. Well, you know, it's just amazing. I mean, I was at the Ralphs just the other day, and you look, and there's always green peppers. There's yeah. always... Where'd that cantaloupe come from? I mean, yeah. that probably needs to be fixed, too, right? We need to go to a more what's available in season and stop shipping stuff. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely, you know, that part of it of, like, you know, what's in season and what grows and what works, and... Again, you know, I tend to always lie in the pragmatic where there is some room and some spaces for big monocultures and controlled environments and things not grown in season and stuff sure. like that. But we but where I'm where my main thinking is okay, we have enough of that, right? Let's let's oversteer, let's overcorrect the other direction and then let's let natural forces kind of steer us back and right. what I think you like most things is that it's the answer lies somewhere in the middle, right? Mm-hmm. It's not going to be these big, huge mono farms and it's not going to be a full, you know, uh, permaculture space. It's going to be a hybrid of that. And also too, geographically, the systems that need to work, it's going to vary from within 10 miles yeah, of each other. Totally. So on this side of, of the street, it's going to be this system. And on this side, it's going to be this system. And then overall, together, it's going to be one large integrated food production um, and plant in- environment, right? So, you know, let's, let's, let's build butterfly gardens. Let's build places for birds. Let's, uh-huh. play, you know, let's bring these species back. Let's, um, and, and that's what I want to see happen. Oh, that's awesome. Brilliant. Other stuff you want to throw out there for our listeners, anything in either, you know, your space? Anything sure. So if you want to continue this conversation with me, um, my podcast is called The Larchitect Podcast, and that's um, architect but with an L in front of it, so landscape architect. So it's Larchitect, and that's uh, dot org, larchitect.org. I'm available to speak on other podcasts or lectures or just um, or just one on one and and you know let me know how I could help or if you want some consulting or some advice or um, please reach out. I'm very accessible. My email and all of that will be on there. If you want to tweet me, it's a uh, M and my last name. So it's um, M Tadoran, and that's M Tango Oscar Delta Oscar Romeo Alpha November. <laughs> that's where the military comes in. Right. Oh, yeah. What um, what are some of your favorite? Are there some success stories in LA you would would could people could actually go see? And oh, that's a good question. Um, well, the Santa Monica Community Garden is is really good. You know, I'll tell you an success. Everybody else, all of you guys who don't live in LA, <laughs> screw you guys. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah. I just meant, you know, I know we have a kind of a, we're here, so. Sure. Um, I'll tell you a success story. So I'm on my way here to talk about this mm-hmm. stuff. And right down the street, there's a place called M Cafe. And right in front of it 
There's these wooden, beautiful planter boxes with kale growing in them. And, and then they, above the sign, there's this big succulent wall. I think it's still, you know, in, in production. That's a success right there. That's all that we need. We need, no, I'm sorry. That's not all that we need. But that's a very good step is a small local businesses being really aggressive and planting like all of these things. And, and I'll tell you what, you're drawn to that. You want to go there. You want to hang out in that space. I'll tell you another successful space is in Santa Monica. There's a place called Tongva Park, and it's across the street from Santa Monica City Hall. Now, this is a really beautiful example of what a low-water um, planting palette can look like. And it could be beautiful, and it looks lush. Right, it ice looks, plants are awesome and all yeah, that sort of stuff. Yeah, it's great. So those are succulents, and so succulents by definition are where the leaves retain water, such as the roots. So both the, both the, the I'm sorry, like the the branches and everything contains water. That's why all like succulents like look fat, right? Because they're all like filled with water they retain. But Tongva Park, T O N G V A, um, is a really successful park please go visit it hang out and see you know what landscape architects can can do awesome beautiful i have two quick things okay have you seen that they're going to build a bridge over the 101 so that the cougars or the mountain lions can get uh outside of uh beverly hills so this is a bridge for women who are looking for young men. Don't we wish? <laughs> I think there's plenty of places for that. Is, um, that. is that something that you would help build? That they want it to look like a hillside so they'll naturally just get sure. back into more of the larger range. Man, I have not heard of that, surprisingly enough. Um, well, somebody move please, on. Yeah, no, no, no. Somebody please it. send me a, a link to that. But I will tell you that I'm all for that. So that's called, that's called a corridor, right? Exactly. So, um, yes. Yes, please. Let's, these are the things that we need to build. Those are healthy. And if you guys heard the bananas are on their way out because we have so gone down the direction of one species that the blight that wiped them out in the 50s has returned and there probably won't be any bananas very soon. Wow, I did not know that. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that's, that's a really sad. wild one. Yeah. So that'll bum everybody out. <laughs> on that happy note, thanks for screwing everybody's day out. Oh, again. Yeah. You know. Cool. Um, awesome. Thanks so much hey. for showing up. Thank you very much. It was very Pleasure. nice meeting both of you. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful. Well, there's another wacky interview. I just, I love the whole notion of incorporating uh, more greenery, more solar panels, uh, taking care, you know. Another thing that really is happening in town around here is these uh, locally sourced um, little, what are they called, cargo containers. Oh, yeah. Right next to the restaurants where yep. they're growing their own lettuce and leeks and bok choy, one of my favorites, you know, right there. And it's nothing like fresh off the farm and onto the table. We have lomquats, which I should have brought you some of. Um, incredible. Sort of like yeah. peachy, berry, sort of. It's It's its own thing for sure. And uh, quite delicious, but unfortunately for those, only good for about three hours after you get it off the tree. Really? It goes funky, like raisiny and funky. That quick? Yeah. Because wow. as I was driving in, going through like Chinatown today where they have like the, yeah. the markets, obviously those people had picked those this morning. 
Right. That's the only way they could still look that good. Because otherwise, they go quick. Huh? They just go quick. They just—it's like they were meant to be uh, treated tummy. And um, quite, we're actually uh, along with the vanilla that we're um, uh, infusing into vodka that came from Steelgrass Farms. Uh, we're doing lumquat seeds because they're supposed to taste like amaretto. Check you out. Come, oh You're man, the farm fancy. is getting crazy. You are getting fancy, my man. So, um, because it was Bennett's thing last week, I, I want to tell a funny little print story. Um, and it was just one of those moments to be in the right place in the right time is so important. Uh, a friend of mine, Gooding, incredible musician. Um, I think he does really well, like doing TV music, but he also. Goes to every state every year and plays shows with this crazy biodiesel bus and spreading the word. And, you know, lots of Air Force bases and just, uh-huh. you know, out amongst the people playing his shows because he loves to play live music. And he throws a pretty epic Christmas party. So about three years ago, we are hanging out late, believe it or not. And it's down to kind of the last 18 people. Yep. And it's made its way into his recording studio because he's got pretty nice, his garage has been converted. And the guitars have come out, and there's these couple of cats named the Janks that are brothers. So it's like righteous brother level quality harmonies because they've been singing together in the bathtub sure. since they're four. And the guitars are getting passed around, and the songs are going around. And uh, of all people, the lovely Gretchen's like, "Well, we need a Prince song." And out of nowhere, Starfish and Coffee. Yep, one of my favorites for sure. But I thought kind of lesser known. Sure. Indeed, no, not with this crowd. And what's funny, lots of lyrics, and everybody kind of knew the verse, but nobody knew the lyrics except for the one cat with the bass in his hand. And off he went, and uh, 18 people, style, fish, and coffee. Nice. And uh, it was just kind of this Christmas moment, and his purpleness clearly visiting us all. His purpleness, I yeah. like that. And giving us a fucking fantastic treat that, uh, you know, the people that were in the room that night still remember to this day because it was a, a just a, a grand moment. Good and old Prince. So I had just to say a little bit about Prince. Prince was huge to me, man. I was yeah. a synthesizer player coming up and there was nothing more yeah, Prince than some keyboards. The 80s and yeah, stuff. we didn't have any hope. Yeah, that's... Prince was it. I bought my copy in 1999 the same day I bought Synchronicity at really? the PX at Fort Campbell. I think my... I dare to say that the very first audio cassette that I owned was uh, Purple Rain. <sighs> it, I think it was. I'm pretty sure it was. If it wasn't the first, it was the second or third. But yes, it was close enough. It's funny. I was handling it all pretty well, you know, after with my, my David Bowie connection and all. Um, yep. Actually, my daughter, I found out because Emily texted me. You didn't get any Prince tattoos last night, did you? All right. Because <laughs> that's considering that you got a David yeah. Bowie tattoo and then he died right oh, after. My response was, oh, yeah. no. Well, now you know. Well, had you got a Prince tattoo, yeah, it would be a problem. Yeah. But you didn't. No, so. I'm, I'm afraid of that at this point. So now you can get tattoos. Yeah. But, but yeah, man. Anyway, that's all way off track. But, uh, wow, enough 2016. You took Bennett, you took you took Prince, you took David Bowie, yeah. you took you're taking lots of people, and let's slow it down a little bit. Good ones too. So fix the cities, grow flowers. Yeah, that would be better. We don't have any sponsors tonight. We don't have any donations tonight because they just don't come in. Wait, that's not right because we just recorded one back to back. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it won't be any of that. So. But I'm sure you have some information about our friends from Amazon. Yeah, if as usual, please remember us when you click. You want to buy something on Amazon? Please go through our link. It help us a bunch. It'll only cost you a couple of extra clicks. So please, please, please. Of course, if you guys want to check out uh, my book, Not Afraid, it's in bookstores. And also there's the audio version. There's the link in the episode notes if you prefer to have the audio book. 
recited by moi, nice. Mr. Daniele Bolelli. So yes, there is that. Um, our t-shirts, as usual, you know, the latest one, latest is still a, month, a few months old, but EQ, EQ is freaking glorious. I love that t-shirt. I never thought I would want a green t-shirt in my life. But somehow when we're messing with it, it came out so good, that, and now I love it. It's so. a great color. It's definitely added some color. And, and let me tell you, fellas, let your lady wear it to bed. Very thin cotton. Yeah, it if is. If she's getting excited by your presence, or just a t-shirt, you're going to notice in a hurry. It's And fun. I just, lady parts look lovely underneath that green fabric. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. The glory of the EQ t-shirt. So there's that. Got yes. magic powers. Of course, again, thank you to Onnit, Datsusara, and Shore Design for supporting us every step of the way. Uh, what else we got to say? You guys know, now it's lecture series. Thank you to uh, Daisy House, all the goods. Thank you to our affiliates such as uh, Audible and Kurokao Chocolate. You guys know the drill. These are things that we say all the time. So I, just for today, I won't go into overly verbose details. Uh, we'll keep it quick. I decided I was going to do a series on... Oh, I did, it wasn't supposed to be a series. It was supposed to be one or two episodes on Crazy Horse. Two and a half hours into it, I covered 20% of the material. Four-parter? So that became two parts, three parts, four parts. So because it's the same topic, I'll release them three weeks from each other. So it'll be, there will be a new History on Fire every three weeks for the duration of this four-part series. How are you going to break it down? Are you just going to start at the beginning, childhood, to yeah, early? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Awesome. That's what's coming up. I love them Indian tales because I got my own squad of my own at my house. One come out, one Crazy Horse episode is out already. So if you guys haven't listened to it yet, just weep yourself. But the other ones, number two, three, and four are coming up real soon. Tell me you're talking from the future. I am talking to the, from the future. Oh. It has, it's not out already now as we are I recording, but it will be out by the time this episode is released. I thought it's going to get that fucking whip out again. Yeah. See you next time, everybody. And so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Taoist Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as soon as they come out. You can keep track of Daniel at dbolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at Richimon1. That's R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N, the numeral one. See y'all soon. Maybe I don't want to hear this. No, you don't. <laughs> in questo caso, in questo caso, le provvidenze di Dio. Duncan showed you the way, yeah? Huh? Oh, man, isn't that scary to think? Nice. So don't kill people, do that instead. I have nothing against chicken other than the fact that they are ugly and weird and strange. <laughs> this was great. It's fucking awesome. And I love this conversation. We've been yeah, having a great hour here. Dun, dun, dun.
I completely got lost. Are we doing the outro or the intro? We're outro. Oh, we're outro. Okay, sorry. So that's. So let's continue. Did you ever see the movie Tombstone with uh, Val Kilmer and... Uh, uh, your accent, it just... Whatever that movie is you were trying to tell me about... Can you translate for me, please? I believe the word was Tombstone. Yeah, that one, exactly. <laughs> just as I was saying, you know, Tombstone. <laughs> what do I have to do? One day the rod shall teach you. Get back to work.